Today on We Need to Talk, we cover part two of our talk with the blind blogger, and this talk is amazing. We talk more about marketing and putting yourself out there. With some great advice, guys, tune in. We need to talk. And, and who knows? Here's, you know, we're we're talking about sponsorships, and I, um, I have one small sponsor for my podcast. I say that because you know they're not paying me crazy money, but they have really supported my show, which is uh, Chip Edwards at CreateMyVoice.com, and. Um, He's, his, his sponsorship of my podcast has allowed me to travel to attend three conferences where I did public speaking and uh, attracted a couple of new clients. So it's been very, very important to my show. And what I, what I try to tell people as far as sponsorship goes, it's just like connecting with people for the purpose of an opportunity for appearing on a show or having them as your guests. What you do is first you share their content. And you tag them so they know that you're sharing their con- their content. Uh, you try to get as many people as you can to look at, at what they're doing. Uh, then if they don't, a lot of times they will notice you on their own. But if they don't, then you can reach out to them directly through a direct message or an email. Or you can, um, you can mention them in a blog post or... Or a podcast episode and put a link to the, and mention it in the show notes so people know that you mentioned them and plus anytime you include a link in a online page there's automatically a notification that goes to the website owner that says hey somebody just mentioned your website on their website and here's where you can go see it so those are things you can do to get noticed by people who have sponsorships and then eventually you can reach out to them you go hey i think you should really consider consider uh you know investing in my podcast by promoting your, your brand on our show. And one of the things I've learned is, is that sponsorship for a lot of people is a bad word, but invest for a lot of people is a great word. Cause I, I can tell people, you know, uh, you're going to invest in me and my story and my show, but you're also going to be investing in your brand and driving more traffic to it. at the same time. So that's one of those things. So that's the process, share their content, mention them on your website if possible in a way where they know you're doing it, eventually reach out to them directly. Uh, and sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't. Recently I was being interviewed by Mike, uh, Cologne of Mimosas with Michael. And we just started talking trash. And I said, well, you know, we should reach out to, uh, to Dom Perignon and some of the other winemakers about, uh, sponsoring your show because apparently there's hundreds of thousands of bottles of champagne not being sold this year due to Corona and bar and restaurant shutdowns. And so it didn't work in that particular case, but I'm continuing to stalk people on social media for him because I think it would be, make a lot of sense for, you know, for Dom or, uh, you know, one of these other companies to invest a little money in supporting his podcast. And I think the same thing could be for you guys. You know, I don't know if Spotify is the right fit, but um, I'm sure there are, uh, podcasting equipment or editing software people uh, that would be good fits for you. And, and who knows? I love the fact that you didn't shy away one bit at saying, hey, Spotify, you can buy us. We're for sale. I mean, because I think way too many people have too much shame when it comes to putting themselves out there, whether it's asking for help or asking for opportunities. You know, most people are just are just scared. They, they feel like they're going to come off as egotistical, um, I had, you know, I usually get great responses from people because I reach out with sincerity and humility, 
But I had one guy call me delusional last year because I was actually reaching out to him in efforts to get a sponsorship for my podcast. Listen, if there's one thing that I don't have, it's shame. So I get, I get no problem showing myself if it means I get big, big dollars in my pocket. I, uh, I think that and I'll chill for Pepin to protect him. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be yes. the one to look at all the shame yeah, that yeah. you don't have, I feel. It, it just comes <laughs> out of me. So no, what I'm you're just, saying... I, you know, the thought that... Yeah. Go ahead. I have, The thought I have running through my mind is now Pippin can't go to the grocery store because he's ashamed of Steven. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying, Maxwell, is that we need to start tagging Spotify and everything. Going <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely do that. Uh, Spotify, um, who else is spending money? That's the thing. Do your research. Find out who else, because mm-hmm. Spotify is going to get the press. Everybody's going to be banging on Spotify's door because it's been $100 million. But yeah, they bought to be, Gimlet too, didn't they? And that was a huge deal. But there have to be other podcast platforms that have money that you know might not be looking to spend $100 million, but they might be willing to spend 100000 yeah. And so, you know, do your yeah. do your research. Do your research and see who else, you know, you can say, hey, we're for sale. Yeah. Um, I was recently I was recently talking to a woman who I'm going to be helping get her on a podcast to promote her her, her writing in. I told her that I was shameless. She said, No, she said, No, you have boldness. Mm-hmm. She said, you have, she said, I need to be more bold. I said, you know, it's funny. You call it boldness. I call it shamelessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like that dichotomy between like, uh, you know, courageousness and stupidity. Like there's kind of like both the two heads of the same coin. Both of those can exist. Yeah. But both of those can exist at the same time. And in my life, they have both existed at the same time. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. I was on, um, I, I saw something on Facebook the other day where someone who who was blind had posted about TikTok about like something that was really frustrating to them that most people wouldn't even think about. And it, he yeah. dropped a tomato on the floor and yeah. he was just like trying to feel around the floor, trying to find the tomato. He's like, this is something that you would never think is probably the most <laughs> frustrating thing in my life is finding something when I dropped it, something that can roll, something that's soft. Like what, what's something that people don't think about that is super, super tedious or frustrating for you? Right. Well, he didn't take that one all the way, in my opinion, because it, because with my experience, anytime you drop something on the floor, even if it isn't circular, it tends to move around the floor like a hockey puck. It's like whenever you get close to it, you're going to hit it or kick it, and then you're going to have to go find it again. Um mm-hmm. In my in my third book, The Blind Bloggers, New York City Adventures, uh, How You Can Make Your Dreams Come True, I talked about how I try not to get mad and throw things because if a blind person throws something and breaks it, they have to crawl around on the floor to pick up all the pieces and hope that they can get somebody to put it back together for them. Um, you are so good at plugging your own shit, just for the record. Well, uh, yeah. So good. Like, I'm inspired. I've been doing this shit for five, let's see, for six years now. <laughs> Every answer is... Well, in this product that I created, go to uh, I'm not that I'm not, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad yet. I have not that's achieved I have good. not achieved NASCAR status yet. I have not achieved NASCAR status yet. I'm still okay. 
You ever seen a NASCAR? You ever seen a NASCAR post race interview? If mm-hmm. if there's a if if there is a if there is a patch on the guy's jersey, that company will be mentioned before the guy finishes doing his <laughs> his post race speech. That's just the way it is, you know. Uh, I you know, <coughs> like I say I'm not NASCAR race bad yet, but you know, um, it's the, you just and the need more thing, things that you've done to promote. Oh, um, maybe. Yeah. The funny thing is, is in, no, no, yeah. But the funny thing is, 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 um, last year, and uh, I was speaking at an event in Philadelphia, and two of the women in the audience had to remind me to mention my book. Uh huh. So you know, I've come a long way in nine months or whatever. So I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm picking fun, but it is with respect because that I, I love the. Uh, throwing that out there you've done the work you've done all these things like people want to know this stuff it's not like you're shoving shit down people's throat they want to know this stuff so i think it's great yeah yeah um but back to your back to your original question the one thing that frustrates me the there are two things that frustrate me the most and they're both and they're both related they have to do with consistency um in in my you know in my house in my room if something is in a particular space, even if it doesn't make sense to you, it's there because it made sense to me and that's where I want it to be and that's where I'll look for it again the next time I need it. So uh, having family members or coworkers move stuff from where you put it is a real is a real big problem. And then the other one, which is more common, is I hate it when a website, uh, when the programmers or the coders will change a website just for the purpose of justifying their check. And then I have to relearn how to navigate their website over again because, and it wasn't because they, there was something wrong or something dangerous about the site. It's just, they thought it would look better or be prettier or run better or so, you know, it was, it was nothing critical. And, you know, the worst one of all is of course, Facebook. They're constantly changing their, their page, both the, the, the desktop and the mobile versions. And, I haven't said this in a while, but since nobody has nobody has caught me saying it, I'm going to say it again. If I ever meet Zuckerberg in the street, I'm going to knock him on his ass. You heard it here, folks. First, folks, the blind blogger wants to punch Zuckerberg. Put that in the tags. (laughs) (laughs) Blind man threatening Zuckerberg's life. There's your headline. I've said that five or six times and it's never, it's never went anywhere. And I don't know that I really want it to go, but this, the guy, the guy's website is very frustrating, very aggravating. You know I mean? It's like, and, and you know, I, I have a very limited number of navigation tools available to me with a screen reader. I can, I use this, the, the tab and the, the shift tab to, to, to go uh, through a website by the links or back. So you're going from top left to bottom right or from bottom right to top left. Um, I can use the arrow keys and I can use a find command either to find text or to find links. So once I figure out a way to find everything I need on a particular website, if somebody comes along and changes it, it's a pain in the butt. And Mm. they do that more often on Facebook than anywhere else online. Uh, So on the other side of that coin, I really, really want to give props to people who have built websites that are, that are accessible and and continue to keep them that way. And I know you guys aren't big fans of Zoom. Uh, y'all use Discord, and I understand why. It's uh, it's a really cool platform. I wasn't able to figure it out, but that's probably just me. Um, Zoom is the only uh, thing that I use where their website 
has a corresponding keyboard command for every mouse click command. And one of the things that a lot of programmers don't realize is that when you're using a screen reader, some of the keys that would normally be used for computer act actions have to be routed to control the speech. So, computer, stop. <laughs> so, yeah, I changed her name from Alexa. I changed her name from Alexa to stop this from happening. It happens anyway. So, um, but, you know, some of those keys are routed to the screen reader, so you don't have a. So I don't have the ability to do a traditional mouse click, and sometimes I don't have a way to do a virtual mouse click. So Zoom is one of those few rare people that where uh, all the key, all the mouse-based commands uh, also have keyboard commands. And that's one of the things I really love. Uh, and, you know, just for people who are building websites to to follow that up is, I prefer fewer items on a page, uh, the fewest items on a page as possible to still know what all my options are. And obviously we have to, we have to keep adding the alternative text to images, buttons and links, even though Facebook and other algorithms are starting to assign names to them anyway. So those are things that frustrate the heck out of me. Uh, also having to figure out new tech like uh, like Discord, like Trello. But that's mainly because I'm a late adopter, not because of the blindness. Mm. That's one big thing with the uh, accessibility on websites, which is become more and more of a common like topic in the web dev community. Because like I was reading a couple posts on it on Reddit recently. And I don't know if this is standard yet, but it's kind of getting to that point because like having a like a certain kind of website layout or certain kind of standard where say any like one program can kind of just know where certain text fields are or where certain things are just to navigate it for people who are visually impaired or um, maybe impaired in other ways. It, it's pretty important, especially granted that everything's going online, say banking and, uh, you know, say face-to-face -face calls, you know, the whole COVID and everything. So it's something that's become more and more important and, I, I could definitely imagine this nightmare with certain certain sites, like as you said, Facebook, but other sites don't even get it off the anywhere optimized for it. Yeah, and some of them that claim to be optimized for it, I really wonder uh, who they who tested those sites to say that they were optimized because I uh, I find a lot of websites uh, difficult where they you know, where they claim to be accessible, but you know they're going by list of standards or they. They possibly hired an accessibility uh, company to evaluate the website. Uh, the good thing is, just like with internet privacy, the fact that most people want to be online and they want to be available internationally means that we have to abide by the standards in other countries. So just like with privacy, where most everybody last year updated their websites to be in line with the new standards over in the UK and the EU, uh, when it comes to accessibility, there is no actual law on the books that comes with uh, fines or other punishments for failing to have an accessible website in the United States. There's what's called a convention, which has established standards, and people are encouraged to follow those standards. But there's no real downside to not following them other than possibly missing out on traffic and, and customers. But in the UK, they have laws where, you know, there can be substantial financial penalties to not making your website accessible. And as a result of that, 
with all the people wanting their websites to be viewed in the UK and, you know, wanting to do business internationally, we benefit here from the standards on accessibility in other countries. Right, right. It kind of reminds me how a lot of, uh, like a lot of big US companies, like I think Amazon might be one of them, but I'm not 100% sure. They will just make one template and they want that one template to fit all the countries. So they kind of just, you know, they want it in, say, uh, Europe, where Europe has a lot higher standards for, say, uh, privacy, but also certain other things like that. Like they just kind of, we kind of get the benefit of as you're talking about. Like we have to comply to that standard. So they just do it for that, but we kind of get the, benefit from it, although our country doesn't necessarily require that. Yeah. Yeah, that's been the result, thank goodness. Um, I'm happy that people like WordPress, when they put on their WordCap events, they really uh, focus on accessibility on the back end, as well as making sure they have people speaking to accessibility at all their conferences, which is very, very good. Um, one thing I would like to see happen uh, more, well, it's it's kind of hard to tell how, uh, what the progress is right now because of everything being virtual, but in the last three or four years, I've attended probably half a dozen podcasting conferences. And March of this year was the first time I attended an event where I wasn't the only podcaster there who was visually impaired. So I'd like to see more of the talented podcasters and bloggers out there better represented at events and and uh, and just just better represented in general. Uh, I was recently named one of the top twenty-five visually impaired bloggers to follow in twenty in two thousand twenty by Feedspot, and I was very happy with them picking me because it you know it's pretty pretty big deal. But I went and read the article. I looked at the other twenty-four winners. I was disappointed to find out that only four of the other people named to that list were individuals. The rest were all major nonprofits or or or, uh, corporations. And I'm like, uh, to me, if we're really wanting to, to show visually impaired bloggers, there should have been a lot more individuals on the list. The, the other thing I found out when I visited the list and it kind of made me, uh, it kind of made me feel a little, a little, uh, you know, just a little blah for, for a short period is I was the only, uh, person blogger on that list of 25 sites uh, who happens to be over the age of 30. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like all the, yeah, there's like four or five other uh, individuals and they all started their blogs in high school and college. And oh, yeah. I don't think any of them are even 25 yet. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those moments where you're like, you know, you know, kind of like when you find out that Halloween is 40 years old or ET is 40 or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how much of that is failure to represent and how much of that is um, actual representation where maybe those four are the only four blind uh, podcasters out there right now um, and that the problem isn't necessarily in their representation, but in the ability to actually like uh, like have a podcast at uh, given whatever uh, disadvantage you're, you're putting. Right, right. Well, that list was for bloggers, but I understand your question, and it's probably more so with podcasting. Um, I think some of it is the way they uh, the way they found the information that were going based on uh, web traffic and web comments and social media traffic. So they were looking at people who had a, a substantial web presence, and 
a lot of it just comes down to uh, people not willing to put themselves out there and say, hey, come read my blog. And that's uh, that's one of those things that it you know goes across all spectrums where people are fearful of drawing attention to their work. So I, I personally have, have had experience with many visually impaired bloggers and podcasters over the last few years. I know that there are lots of them out there. And I say this often, many of them are more talented than I am, more consistent than I am, and write better content than I do. But people don't know about them because they are not putting themselves out there. They're not, uh, they're not doing the work to get their content seen and, and recognized and appreciated. So it's a, it's a combination. I would say it's more a lack of, of confidence and just the, the feeling that we're, you know, we're not supposed to, to self-promote, you know, the old thing that uh, it's not good to blow your own horn. I think there's still a lot of that out there, but uh, I quite often will visit a new blog by somebody who's visually impaired and I'll look at their, look for their comments and I'll find one or two comments or no comments. And I'm like, well, this was a great post. Why didn't anybody read it? So and then with podcasting and with, you know, attendance at a podcasting conference, you're talking about the expense of, of traveling and spending several days in a hotel. So that's probably more about the, the barrier to, to entry and the, the cost, expense, that sort of thing. But I do feel like there's not really a, an appreciation for how many visually impaired people there are out there. Uh, and I do my best whenever I get the opportunity to to share their work and to drive traffic to them because, you know, there are a lot of great people that are pretty much working as if nobody knows they're there. I, I'm wondering if there's, uh, uh, is there like a place that people who are interested in reaching out to people who are, who are podcasting with a disability, blind or... Um, maybe amputees, maybe deaf, um, and are able to to produce content. Is there one spot for people to find people like that, or to be able to be showcased no, in, in a spot like that? No, there is not. In fact, there is no one place just to find people with disabilities in general, much less to find people with disabilities who are blogging or podcasting. And earlier this year, uh, my friend Alex Sanfilippo, who runs a podcast community, he runs a, excuse me, he runs a uh, mastermind community, was suggesting that very thing to me. He said, you know, Max, you really ought to be creating a uh, a network for people with disabilities that are bloggers, or he specifically said podcasters, but, you know, that are online content creators. And of course, you know, it's a natural spot for us to mention, you know, your, your uh, organization, Podcast USA, and you know, the Texas chapter podcast, Texas. So as a, since the goal of that organization is to support independent podcasters and those who are aspiring to start their own podcast, um, it sounds to me like it, it will be a great opportunity when I find those visually impaired podcasters to bring them to the attention of the more mainstream podcast uh, uh, arena or, or world, let's call it. Yeah, and I mean, here's here's one of the things that I'm expecting when as Podcast USA continues to grow, 
Um, you're going right now it's broken down by region by state. Uh, but as you know, all the states become represented, you're going to be able to create subdivisions within. So you have, you know, maybe in Texas, you have 15 different sports ones or different, um, home and garden ones or comedy. And then you're able to take those and match them with the other states that have comedy podcasts. So all the comedy podcasts can be under one umbrella, umbrella. Um, and I don't see a reason why not to do that with, uh, with people with disabilities who are, who are doing podcasts. I think that would be a great opportunity to find each other and to put everybody under one umbrella. Yeah, that would be cool. It'd be like a secondary grouping or a third grouping as yeah. part of the. Yeah, and as as I understand the the way that the podcast USA works by by being able to match people from within the same state or different states that are podcasting the same genre or the same subject matter, you can then uh, put those together as a block and then approach people who want mm-hmm. to sponsor a podcast. So instead of sponsoring one of the name brand podcasts, they could sponsor, say, 20 uh, comedy podcasts, or they could sponsor 10 podcasts hosted by the visually impaired, for example. So we did that in New Hampshire. uh, That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of thought that was what, when you, you told me that y'all had done it with uh, New Hampshire, but we didn't talk about what genre. So considering you guys do comedy interview podcasting that I, that makes sense that it was for comedy. Um, by the way, is is there a website for Podcast USA since we're talking about it? I know there is, but when I USA.org. Oh, I put the wrong okay. I I tried to put the wrong, what is that, suffix or ending? Yeah. And it everything took me to a website. Is, it took me to a website that's art. All of the states are dot com, but podcastusa is dot org because podcastusa.com was already purchased. Okay. And it's that simple. You know, it's, okay. Yeah, I've been there. I've been, what was curious was when I accidentally put in the dot com, it didn't say this website is available for sale. It just said this website is parked. Yeah. Which is yeah, which is weird because usually when somebody has a domain name like that, it will say this website is for sale. For example, the blindblogger.com is 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 for sale for like a thousand bucks. And that's not my future plans right this minute. Um What's your excuse.com is for sale for $40,000. And I would love to have that website, but you know, I don't want to, you're going to be in a position to file an internet squatting claim against people who have the, uh, uh, the doc, the .com. Uh, the only uh, friend of mine recently sent me an article on internet squatting. And apparently the key is you have to have traffic so that you can prove it's yours. You also have to file a trademark application, which is a, you know, it was a pain in the butt process that I'm not really interested in doing right now. But, uh, and I don't know what it costs to file for a trademark. But if the other people haven't filed for the Podcast USA trademark and you were to get the Podcast USA trademark, then you would have a claim with the internet uh, registry people to make them give you that website without you having to pay the other person for it. Interesting. Maybe something down the line, but um, yeah. no, I, I love Same the here. idea of getting, getting like-minded people together and then being able to do it both for community reasons. I think that's really key to be able to like, be able to, to converse with people who deal with the same issues you're dealing with, be they podcasters in general or hyper-specific podcasters like within a specific genre or who have certain struggles and yeah. for marketability. 
uh, to be able to, to sell that because the, the company that we worked with for that big ad deal came originally through We Need to Talk. And uh, I was like, hey, by the way, I also run podcast New Hampshire. So while we're at it, why don't we just get you a package deal and we'll make this a big thing. And I threw a whole package deal together and they, they wanted in on that. So it was a really unique opportunity to like have a lot of people win um, both in the podcasting world and in the advertising side by combining everybody together under one job. Yeah, yeah. And that was really generous of you to want to do that for your community. But I, I, I think you're, the, the more important part of it is going to be a sense of a community uh, for, mm-hmm. uh, because as you know, uh, with for most podcasters, whether they whether they work in isolation or not, they will from time to time experience what I like to call creators isolation, where it feels like you're all by yourself and you don't have any help. So having a community of people who understand what you're going through and what you're trying to accomplish, and uh, where you can have conversations where you don't have to explain the language to each other, that has a lot of value. And I look forward to seeing where the podcast USA thing goes, you know, I, I know it's all about independent podcasting, but who knows a year or two from now, um, somebody could be going, you know, this podcast USA thing was a great deal. What, what, what would it cost us? You know I mean? Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the, wouldn't be the first time a network was bought out by somebody else. I mean, mm-hmm. this crazy. Hey, listen, everything's for sale, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Spotify, I know you're listening. <laughs> we used to so, travel. We used to travel with a guy who sold the novelties on our midway, and and um, people would come up and go, "Is that for sale?" And he would always say, "Everything's for sale." What do you think this is a museum? <laughs> uh, and then he would follow it up by saying, "And if it rains to if it rains between now and Sunday, everything's for sale, cheap." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, this has been uh, this has been an awesome conversation, Maxwell. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been great to get to know you as a person and to become friends with you. Uh, thank you for inviting me to participate in whatever small way I, I can with the Podcast USA mission because it is an important mission at podcastusa.org. And um, I appreciate the time we've had today. I I feel like we had a great conversation, but if you know if people are scoring at home, this probably isn't the this probably isn't the interview we thought we were going to have. But I like it. I think the tech problems make people understand, you know, that stuff happens, and you can either get overwhelmed by it and quit, or you can just keep going through it. Which is the message I think what we've done today is really has really brought home to people. Is this we just have to keep moving forward, or like I said in the podcast, in the blog episode about my experience singing karaoke, just keep singing, just keep writing, just keep pressing record, and something good can happen. I love it. And uh, well, let's just do some some actual plugs. Uh, so blind blo- the blindblogger.net. Uh, where where else can people can people experience what you have to share? Right. They can ask Alexa and Google for what's your excuse. Uh, we have claimed the invocation name, so that's all they have to say. They can find me on Roku at Knob TV, K-N-O-B-TV. Uh, everything goes through the blindblogger.net or whatsyourexcuseshow.com. Uh, my social media links are over there, and I encourage people to reach out to me. 
And the one thing I want to make sure people understand is I have a lot of stuff going on. I, you know, and quite a bit of it is for sale. You know, the books, the coaching, the online course, the merchandise. But people, you do not have to want to hire me, book me, or buy something from me to 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 reach out to me and to connect with me. I I believe every new conversation I have is an opportunity for something amazing to happen. And I hope that y'all will take me at my word and reach out to me through my website or through one of my social media channels and say, hey, I saw you on We Need to Talk. And hey, Max, we need to talk. I love it. I love it. And now I'm going to sue you for copyright infringement. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I will tell you the same. I will tell you the same thing I say when people suggest that Garth Brooks might eventually sue me for singing his music. I tell them, you know, when I get to cease and desist letter, you'll have to become part of my legal defense fund. (laughs) Well, fair enough. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, definitely everybody. Check check out all everything that, that Maxwell does because he is very, very good at what he does uh, and highly, highly suggested uh, for me personally. So uh, good man, good friend, and uh, very inspirational all around. Uh, hey, Nate. Yo. Yo. And does this, do you, does this change your life? A bit. So I, I think I'm a bit more motivated to ask things and maybe have a bit, less shame about me because I'm thinking mm-hmm. I might want to pr- you know, promote some more stuff of mine. So I think I, I got a website. Should. I got a website, NathanPeppin.com. Hey, there, there we go. I'm, I'm starting it. I'm doing it. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this is massive. This is a giant change for you. Uh, okay. Now I just need to tell people where I live, my social security number. Wait, I need to get wait. everything they need to know about me and just make sure. Wait. We need to talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 